0: The following sermon was delivered by Reverend Kate Dunn in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on livestream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here's Reverend Dunn. Several weeks ago, we surveyed the congregation, asking which passages of Scripture are your go-to passages, the ones that have found a special place in your hearts. I wasn't surprised to find today's scripture on the list, but I was pleased. Over the years, this passage has become one of my most trusted spiritual compasses. I've heard my Aunt Judy read it at every wedding and funeral on my father's side of the family for decades. At my father's memorial service, which took place during COVID two years ago, my aunt shared a video recording with a brief introduction explaining that she was reading from the King James Version because that's what she and my father grew up hearing every Sunday of their childhood, and that's what was imprinted on his heart. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself, unseemly. The King James version is beautiful poetry. Admittedly, 1 Corinthians 13 is so familiar as to seem at times overdone. I certainly thought so as a puffed up seminarian in my 20s attending numerous weddings in which this passage was read in translations that I didn't care for. And I may have behaved myself unseemly, muttering snootily that Paul didn't even write this passage to be read at weddings. (laughs) But now I think, let's read it when we're children. And as we're growing up, let's read it with friends and family. Let's read it in the morning and in the evening. Let's read it at weddings and funerals. Let's read it in every decade of our lives. Let's read it now, when we see in a mirror dimly, now when we know only in part. These are words to live by, now. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For now we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. In the church of Corinth, they're fighting over whether my spiritual gift is better than your spiritual gift. And if it is, then my status in the community should be higher than yours. In fact, maybe we don't even need you. Paul must have when he received reports of the quarrels and divisions threatening this church he'd founded. But with patience and eloquence, he takes out his quill and reminds these people he loves that there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and varieties of activities, but the same Lord. You are the body of Christ, he tells them, And individually, members of it. They are learning how to be Christian community together and how to be faithful Christians individually. They're trying to figure it out. And as they do, Paul assures them that they all belong, they all have gifts, they all can serve. Somehow, like that church in Corinth, churches today are still reading Paul's letters, still learning from Paul how to be the body of Christ and individually members of it. Worshiping together as the body of Christ, we return over and over to the place where we can hear that God loves us and that we can be honest about who we are with God and that God is still going to love us. We return to the place where we hear that we all belong, that we all have gifts, that we all can serve. Word and sacrament, prayer and song remind us that we have something very important to do with our lives. Love God with all our heart and soul and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. In this congregation, when we pray over the children we baptize, we ask God to soften them to care about their family and community, and about the welfare of people they don't know. Church is a place where we learn how to love and how to be loved. You may be familiar with Krista Tippett, American journalist and host of the radio program and podcast, On Being, on which she interviews all kinds of people, scientists, professors, clergy, artists, and deep thinkers. In her book, Speaking of Faith, Why Religion Matters, and How to Talk About It, she writes, I keep pursuing faith, if for no other reason than because it is the place in our common life that keeps reminding us of the necessity of love. Not the romantic love of poets, but the practical love of the sacred texts. However fraught and imperfect our practice of it may ever and always be, it is not something we are born knowing how to do, not something we fall into, it is something we spend our whole lives learning. Paul's evergreen practical advice for how to create a loving, virtuous community through selflessness, patience, endurance, kindness, and humility finds echoes in every major spiritual tradition. Krista Tippett shares the work of George Ellis, a South African cosmologist who has theorized that these ethical principles are built into the very fabric of the universe in the same mysterious but certain way that the laws of physics are embedded. Perhaps someday, this theory will be proven. Now, we know only in part. But Paul seems to suggest something similar, painting a picture of a cosmic universe infused with divine love. How this divine realm works, we can't understand now because we do see through a mirror dimly. But the time will come when we see face to face. In scripture, that expression always seems to imply some kind of encounter with the divine. Then we will know fully and be fully known. Isn't that one of our deepest longings? To know and to be known. Paul invites us to linger on these mysteries, which some people, we often call them mystics, get clearer glimpses of than the rest of us. Allow these visions of what will happen then, when the time comes, to fill us with wonder and awe of something perfect and glorious yet to come. And now, he says, let's talk some more about love. Eugene Peterson's translation of this passage in the message captures the active voice Paul uses in the Greek, making clear that Paul isn't describing what love is, but what love does. The message says, Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. We know that's true, that love never dies. Because we've all lost people that we've loved, people who have died, and our love for them has not died. In April 2018, When former First Lady Barbara Bush died, Marshall Ramsley put out a cartoon that went viral. It pictured Barbara standing by the pearly gates, her arms wide open, crying, Robin. Barreling toward her was a little girl in angel's wings crying, Mama. Decades earlier, Barbara and George Bush, had lost their three-year-old daughter to leukemia. That cartoon captured the heart of the country. Why did it strike such a chord? Perhaps because when we try with our limited partial understanding to imagine what Paul might mean when he says, then we will see face to face. The closest we can come is imagining the face of someone we know, someone we love. In a chapter of her book called Exposing Virtue, Krista Tippett explores the work of theologian Miroslav Volf, who makes a distinction between thick and thin religion. Thin religion doesn't have texture or depth or the ability to reflect on its own history, which makes it easily manipulated for political reasons. Croatian himself, Volf used as an example of thin religion all the violence that broke out in the name of God when the former Yugoslavia fell apart. Thick religion, on the other hand, wrestles with complexity, paradox, and its own history as it strives to cultivate virtue and practice honesty and kindness. As an example of thick religion, Tiffitt describes the work of South Africa's truth and reconciliation process after apartheid. She writes, South Africa's new leaders also relearned the ancient lesson of the importance of time. Truth can be told in an instant, forgiveness can be offered spontaneously, but reconciliation is the work of lifetimes and generations. Toward that, they did what they could in the here and now. Miroslav Volf says, hope, in a Christian sense, is love stretching itself into the future. The love we embody, act on, weave into the fabric of our communities today provides our hope for what our world can be tomorrow. In this congregation, we aim to practice thick religion. We look back. We study our history. We want to know who we are. We study our scriptures. We engage issues of complexity through the lens of faith and we seek to be loving community as the body of Christ and individually as members of it. Sometimes even our smallest interactions can be transformative. A few weeks ago, during the congregation-wide call-a-thon before Easter, I called an older member who hadn't come to church for a long time. I was pretty sure I'd met him in person at some point. I had a vague thought that maybe he'd come to my office to talk to me, but I wasn't sure. So I kept our conversation general. I mentioned that I was the parish visitor now and would be happy to visit him and he said he'd think about it. As I was getting ready to sign off, he said, Kate, do you know who I am? I said, I think so. I think you came in to talk with me once. He said, no. I didn't. Now I felt bad and embarrassed and I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. He said, do you remember back in the fall of 2006? There was a lot of upheaval at the church. Our senior pastor had left and No one in leadership was saying anything about what had happened, and people were upset. After church one Sunday, there were these listening sessions with clergy and church leaders leading small groups so we could express our feelings. Do you remember? I said, yes, I do remember. He said, I was in your group and I had a lot to say. I said, I remember you. (laughs) He said, I thought you might. I said, that was my first months on the job. I felt like I was trying to take a sip of water from a fire hydrant. He said, there were a lot of strong emotions in the air that day, and you handled our group very well. I said, thank you for telling me this. I'm very glad to know who you are. We talked for a while longer about all kinds of things, and that ended up being one of the most pleasurable and meaningful conversations I'd had in a long time. It takes courage to strive for honest conversation, for deeper connection, It takes courage to seek to know each other and to let ourselves be known. That's why we're here, learning again that we all belong, that we all have gifts, that we all can serve, learning together how to love to gladden the hearts of those who make this earthly pilgrimage with us. So be swift to love and make haste to do kindness. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father who creates, the Son who redeems, and the Holy Spirit who stirs the heart and soul be upon you this day, and remain with you always. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.